Hey guys, you're listening to the Gen Pop Podcast with me, your host, Larry Doyle. Where each week, I'm going to bring in friends, guests, and experts to help enhance your health, fitness, and wellness journeys. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. So it's my absolute pleasure to have Damien Brown on the Gen Pop Podcast. Damien, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Larry. It's great to be here. We're going to dig into a pretty fun chat. I think uh, I've I've been following you for some time, and you know we've been been trying to line up this conversation. It's been a lot of water under bridge since. But uh, before we jump into that conversation, uh, give me a thirty second elevator pitch on on who Damien is. Um, Damien Brown is a Galway man who was lucky enough to um, start a career in professional rugby straight out of the Bish, which is a secondary school in Galway City, and um, had a um, long and fruitful career, I would say, over 16 years um, in uh, all the major leagues um, in Europe. So the French Top 14, the Premiership in England, and the Celtic League, or it's called the Pro 14 now. Uh, retired uh, nearly six years ago now and um, started with no particular um, goal in mind, just that I knew there was some things I really wanted to do with my life, um, achievements you might call them or experiences to have and um, yeah, started into exploring those um, which were uh, I suppose you might call them like extreme. There were adventures and some of them were extreme, maybe bordering on very extreme. Um, but I had learned through, uh, rugby the power, um, of, um, pushing my body and my mind. You know, I, I probably started by being pushed and then that morphed into somebody who was much more, um, uh, self-motivated and driven to push themselves kind of mid my career and by the end of it I was very autonomous in kind of how I went about preparing my body and my mind for for rugby and then it just you know it was a an extension of that and those things were um, like the first major one I did was uh, the Mountain de Sable which was a it's a um, ultra marathon over six days in the Sahara Desert self-supported so carrying everything you need on your back uh, the second one was um, a solo row across the Atlantic. Um, and then the last one was uh, just, well, uh, I'm kind of still in the middle of it, but the seven summits, which is to climb the highest mountain on each continent. Um, and I just, well, I suppose you'd say failed on number six. I have five of them done. Number six was Mount Everest. Um, I'm just back from it about three weeks now. Um, so, yeah, that's me. That's quite the introduction. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lot of people are going to assume then that you're some kind of uh, adrenaline junkie that's filling the void post rugby and just uh, seeking these thrills. Um, you know, but there's another element to it as well. And, and like from listening in and like tuning into your podcast and you're following your journey along the way, there's an element of, I guess, sharpening the mental axe with that as well, too. And, you know, to really you see a lot of uh, self uh, and personal improvement and personal development that's coming through that, you know, people from the outside and myself from the outside, when you look at these extreme events, it's like, you know, it's, it's people just testing their body. Uh, but a lot of people don't look into the mental side of it, the mental aspect that, you know, you're really testing the mind. 
but also the preparation that needs to happen because, you know, we just see you, you know, I'm, I'm off running the, a marathon across the Sahara, an ultra marathon across the Sahara or the Atlantic, but there's years of preparation to go into this. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of tools have to be put in place, but uh, you know, something I was wanting to touch on was like how people tend to naturally avoid adversity, but like you're, you're going and seeking it. Why is that? The essence of these adventures or whatever um, is uh, without kind of sounding too kind of, you know, lofty uh, or highfalutin because it's not that like it really isn't. It's a very authentic drive for me is self-realization. So basically what that means is, you know, that I fulfill my potential while I'm here on the planet, while I have an opportunity to do it. And my um, uh, philosophy uh, based on uh, institutionalization through rugby is like body first. So to explore the world through my body and its capabilities. How that became addictive is the um, the benefits, the rewards you get um, internally, you know, by pushing your body into spaces where it doesn't want to go. There's no kind of it's wired not to go there, to resist against that, to put up barriers, to stop, to quit. But when you kind of get past that level of consciousness, the rewards are just extraordinary. Like you just start building these kind of um, values inside yourself, be it confidence or uh, belief, self-belief or, you know, ultimately self-worth. You know, the more times you face down your weaknesses, that will be brought up through extreme physical dress. They will be, they will come up in your mind. And the more you endure, the more time you spend in that window of uh, weakness and find the way through it. Doesn't have to be perfect. Doesn't have to have some sort of process attached to it. It's just about, you know, determination to get through it. You find the way through it, however you do it. The more you get to know yourself, the more you deepen that relationship, the more you connect with who you are, what's important to you. And that is incredibly um, addictive to me. That kind of growth, that learning, that understanding. It's just given me so much like, you know, it's just morphed me into or forged me is probably a better word forged me into um a person i'm very happy with very comfortable with very content with and uh, and that's why i seek it out you know that is a beautiful place to live out of but once you touch on it you understand that it is bottomless like you can keep going like there's there's i don't know like there's there's no end and you'll never get there but the rewards are so beautiful that you will keep searching it out. Something that people tend to gravitate towards is a very sheltered life. They tend to, you know, really move away from all these adversities and they, they tend not to seek any physical change or, or mental change from that perspective. Uh, is it a fear of failure that's attached to that as well too? Or, or what is holding people back from stepping into that next level? few different things um uh, like i would say we all have these kind of maps in our mind in how we see the world and how we see our place in the world right and and they come from our um environment our conditioning through that environment be it you know friends family community uh, uh religious religious um 
platform you grew up under um, and then uh, also how we perceive the world right so that information that we we receive how we um, place that and then what we um, end up putting a kind of perception on that information be that stress right and when you stress your body first and foremost like you know whatever level it's a um uh, there, there will always be like uh, negative connotations to that. Uh, when you, if you, kind of what I was touching on before, if you endure through those that negative, um, the the weakness, the um, doubt, the chaos that comes up through the physical stress, um, you uh, you get rewards, right? So you build a positive association with it. But most people never get to that point because they just see it as um, uh, a negative. They see it as something that's scary, you know, something that induced a part of them that they didn't like, you know, and that is the weakness thing, you know, where you see parts of yourself like and you're like, you're just not in a, um, it's not a, a nice kind of uh, comfortable um, vision of yourself. So that um, repulses people from going after that. That's what I've seen, witnessed, um, seen in myself, you know, felt that like, but, you know, when I ask myself the question, like, how did you persevere or how did you endure um, I always had, uh, or sorry, the, the answer to that was I had um, purpose. I had something bigger than me driving me to try and achieve what I wanted to achieve. And I knew that doing the work would get me there, you know, over time. So I was able to endure through that work, that physical stress. Uh, and I, I built that really young, like in a very important age when I was around 17. So I was much easy, uh, easier wired into my kind of nervous system, right into my neurochemistry. So that's harder to do as an adult, you know, so that's why, you know, if you see somebody making big changes in their life, they've often had a catastrophic event where, you know, they've, um, it has kind of opened up their reality a little bit through probably pain, often pain. And then they've made big changes and they have that purposeful driver that's making changes. But otherwise, it's very difficult as an adult to make, um, you know, what I'm talking adult or after kind of 25 to be making like huge changes in your life. But I, I was lucky enough to do it quite young. So yeah, to answer your question, I think like a lot of the time there's, there's fears there that people have sometimes made up themselves and just not able to get past that, that really block people from kind of um, making the changes that deep down they really. You know, something that we see a lot with people is they, they tend to live in this kind of fantasy land where there's never going to be any problems, there's never going to be any issues, there's never going to be any struggle or challenges or, you know, adversities that pop up. And what happens then when inevitably those challenges and adversities pop up, they're not physically or mentally prepared to handle them, right? And that people tend to crumble and go back into their shell even more. When you're preparing yourself for these events, when you're like, you know that when you're going to row the Atlantic solo, that there's no help, there's no bailout, there's no, you know, get out of jail card there when you're when you're there or when you're in the marathon or when you're in base camp or wherever it may be. How do you prepare yourself for that? Because you, you obviously have to create some situations and scenarios that are going to pop up and how you would resolve them. But what's your um, strategy, I guess, for developing that skill set? Um, 
Well, a lot of it has kind of come over time, you know, and then I've kind of started to, in the last maybe four or five years, started to kind of ask the right questions and then uh, of myself and then um, discover the kind of processes I use, you know, they were, they were veiled to me or hidden to me, um, you know, in terms of like, they were, they were working on a kind of subconscious level or, you know, I was just doing it um, and then uh, doing it, if you get me, <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But uh, so now I do have good shape on, on how I want to prepare um, my mind for those moments of, as you say, stress or, um, or chaos or weakness or darkness or destruction, you know, um, as in, um, a destructive dialogue that I, I w could well go through. So I kind of split it up into three different, um, sections. Uh, and there's one large section, which I call body first, uh, which is basically I train my mind by placing my body in those moments of stress. So I do that through resistance training and I do it through conditioning. And there's all sorts of parameters placed, you know, um, that I have to adhere to that I know I'm capable of. So that I'm constantly pushing myself, pushing my, um, uh, physical um, conditioning to achieve those parameters, but that places a large amount of stress on my mind, you know. So then once that comes, um, I, um, I deal with it through a process called the four controllables, which is um, there's four things I've found that you can control uh, during any physical undertaking that always bring your mind back um, to the present moment where, you know, it is um, back under your control and time is kind of depressurized because time can have a, a, a large bearing on our mind through like pressurizing ourselves. So those four things are basically body position and technique. So the body position and the technique of whatever you're doing. So in the, like in those three cases, uh, one of them would have been running, trekking. Uh, the other one would have been rowing uh, for the Atlantic, obviously. And then uh, for Everest, it's just the body position of climbing, whatever kind of position that is in. Um, and by concentrating on a specific part of that technique, you know, so it's almost like um, if anyone does mindfulness, it's like a body scan under stress, you know, and bringing your concentration to that body part or section of your body or, you know, joint and then focusing on what it's doing and then trying to, you know, get the perfect technique through that joint for the physical undertaking you're doing. So, you know, an example of that would be if I'm rowing the Atlantic and I'm in some sort of stressful state and I want to revert my mind back under my control, I often will go to position and technique and I'll concentrate on probably my lower back position. And I'll ask myself, what's your lower back doing? And then can it be put into a better place? Can you feel um, it's in a nice neutral, your hips are neutral, your back is stacked, are your lower back is uh, nice and braced through your core or your midsection or your trunk or whatever, and then up through the chain, you know, and, and the powering through the oars more efficiently because of that. By doing that, I'm just bringing myself back into that um, concentrated state, back into the present moment, which takes all that stress away from my mind. You cannot be stressed. You cannot be anxious when you're present. Um, and that's the whole essence of that before controllable. So you got position and technique. You've got effort. 
that is always in your control. You can always put in more if as long as you're able to bring your concentration to a body part. When you do that, you'll notice that that body part is underworking, that it can do more. And just by doing that, again, you're back in the present moment and you're um, back in control. Uh, and the third one is breath. Again, always within your control. And the fourth one is self-talk. You can always in always um, control what you're saying to yourself. And the great one about uh, number four, self-talk, which I only really use in very, very extreme circumstances, um, even though there's an element of self-talk to all of them, but this is what I'm saying to myself, is I can induce some emotion into self-talk, right? The other three are neutralizers, whereas um, self-talk, I can always add a little bit of emotion through um, I can induce a bit of emotion through what I'm saying to myself when I'm saying the right things. So that can actually be um, a, I don't know, a, a, can have a larger effect on how it changes your state that you're in. So you can revert from a negative state all the way to a positive state, you know, um, with that one. So, yeah, that's the process, really. And uh, sorry, and then that's within body first and then the other two parts to it. So I would say body first is like 80% of what I do to prepare my mind. And then the other two parts are visualization. So visualizing uh, what can go wrong. So negative visualization and and um, seeing how I react within that and like down to finest details here, like, you know, basically what am I saying to myself? How am I like, what is that going to feel like and how am I going to change my state if that catastrophic event happens and this is this uh, this shit happened on the atlantic like where i capsized um where i lost my steering like total like huge um hugely difficult situations that i had to deal with on day one getting blown back you know completely negative destructive um dialogue and you know having to revert out of that so um yeah so visualizing those things happening down to the finest detail like bringing in as much color and emotion and using your senses and seeing it all and seeing how you react and seeing how you think uh in that moment um uh to to deal with it and then the last one is affirmations which is kind of like a it's um it's basically a way to um, kind of wire or rewire your subconscious, you know, and the things you're saying to yourself. So it's just repeating sentences, but like there's uh, within a tr- another three step process in that. So it's a concise choice of positive words, words. Um, that's your affirmation or your mantra or your saying to yourself. And then it's a clear visualization of that. So again, we use the power of imagination, the power of the mind. And then it's having a corresponding feeling. So having an emotion attached to that. Uh, and again, something I used on the Atlantic, which is probably the, the hardest thing I've done. Uh, and all these things came into play and were um, very uh, useful tools to have out there. Because you imagine 63 days alone on the ocean battling the Atlantic, which is just a fucking monster. Like it just, you know, keeps challenging you, keeps challenging you. You know, the day you think uh, I'm, I'm getting somewhere here, you know, or the day you get a little there's, bit over. There's no days off there, right? Yeah. Hmm. There's no days off. You just don't get a, a second. No, you don't. You don't get a second off from yourself, from your own mind. And because it's this the kind of minor 
medium kind of level discomfort you're constantly in like through well for me it was pressure sores and and hands but just generally like you're rowing 12 hours a day like who wants to row 12 hours a day you know so your body's gonna kind of find issues uh yeah so they all they all got used and they were all very useful and um yeah and uh yeah i i mean they they are the great thing about these processes or the great thing about pushing your body and learning kind of in those extremes in those states of stress learning how to deal with it and learning how to revert back to a like a neutral or positive place is that when shit comes up in life you just breeze past it because you're so practiced at those in of the dealing with your mind in those extremes like you know you know how to deal with it you have a confidence you have a belief that you will deal with it like whatever it may be some things you don't sweat a lot of things because of what you've been through you know the belief you've built in yourself so i think that that that's the translation into daily life you know which is um another big driver in kind of why i continue to kind of push myself you know because if i spend what two percent of my life on expeditions and in you know particularly uncomfortable you know living um the other 98% of life is going to benefit enormously. Like, so it's not really, <laughs> it, it seems like a good, it seems like a good ratio. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a big driver, like I said. You know, these are, these are huge. And like, to make it relatable, I guess, back to people like, you know, you don't have to go row the Atlantic to sharpen the mental axe as well, right? Because everyone's own Atlantic is going to be uh, personalized to themselves you know, it, it could be literally having a chat with your boss. It could be having a chat with your spouse. It could be putting the new weight on the bar. It could be whatever. I'm, I'm just pulling up different situations. It could be getting cut off in traffic that if you have this centeredness or awareness that you can pull yourself back to ground yourself, that now you can just allow yourself to be more present and aware and conscious without getting too fluffy on it. Because like, you know, we, there's a, there's, there's two very distinct sides to mindfulness there's the we're going to sit on the side of the uh, the fluffy cloud and sing kumbaya and everything's going to be okay or you can really expose yourself to some hard shit and become a lot better but everyone's version of that hard stuff is going to be different for me i've been like every time i get on the air bike i have such a fucking amount of self-talk it's like stop just stop this hurts everything burns you know, I'm like, right, I'm not making a, a sound like a complete wuss when I'm saying that, but this stuff is going to come up. Then I'll say to myself, what is literally the worst thing that could actually happen? I'll get extremely tired for a brief moment in time. And then I'm like, okay, I can, I can go harder. You know, and this is the same thing. Uh, something I use, uh, there's a high performance planner that I use and I'll, I'll come back to it intermittently. But there's one of the, the daily journal parts is that a situation that could stress me out or trip me up today is fill in the blank and how my best self would deal with that is fill in the blank. And when you can visualize these kind of situations, okay, I've thought about this already. I know what my plan B is, revert back to that. And you can center yourself and just take control of the situation. For you, I know there's obviously all those steps and processes, but when you wake up in the middle of the night after getting flipped over in your cabin with your head split open in the Atlantic, I'm, I'm sure you're not like reaming off in a specific 
method with this, right? It's just what's the one that will get me more centered and in control again? What's what's your go-to when that situation arises for you? Um, it, it's whatever comes up, if that makes sense. So, like, mm. I'm so yep. practiced at this stuff after all the years. Um, I don't know, like, it's I don't know what's my mind is going to revert my concentration to, but uh, I'm I'm I've built uh, an association with the experience of whatever stress let's call it you know been in, been in a physical or mentally stressed state that i know nearly like in an in a nanosecond like it's a it's a kind of um re revert reverting to okay well concentrate on something what is it you know so um it's the same in training like so that's that's why i practice this stuff all the time is to be so um prepared when the big shit happens you know and the shit hits the fan like that's i i need to know uh, i need to be confident that my mind will um will refocus itself quickly and because it could be that you know the situation could be like it needs to be uh, like it, it could merit something been done really really quickly for a maybe for a life-saving um action you know so but what i've noticed in training is that like even if i go into it with a um a specific redirect in mind like today i'm gonna you know concentrate on breath for the day sometimes other stuff comes up sometimes i'll i'll end up um uh, concentrating on some sort of body position or technique um in fact that's probably my the one i go to most on a kind of organic level um i clue in with you know a different body part or grip strength or um a um spine lengthening or yeah a, like an ankle joint um concentration or something like something in that chain it depends what i'm doing but I, I i've noticed my mind goes there more than most places when i just finish an effort um it the best place and the place i always try and bring it to is breath because that's when there is a moment of weakness because you're in this hyperventilating state, right? In training, I'm talking about here. So, um, and you have a rest period that you've predetermined. Uh, your mind will always try and find a way out because that's the peak of its kind of stress, right? So it'll start looking for ways out and offering up these kind of excuses and negativities and uh, justifications for the excuses. So I found that breath is the one there to best one to concentrate on and i always try and aim for like 30 seconds okay um uh and just totally dial in on breath and just try and get that under control and that kind of massively reduces the the um the panic in my mind and the stress um and then once i've got through that it's just about you know um you know can go anywhere after that in terms of like what it what it will concentrate on but um yeah so uh yeah, body position, body position and technique, and then I like to um, I like to train it by um, having either a cue or a question ready. So the cue would just be a, a statement, right? So it might be um, uh, lengthen your spine through your head. You know, it'll just be something like that. That will be uh, predetermined and pre-prepared and that'll be something i will once the 
you know, it'll be a way of practicing getting that into that concentration. Uh, and then the question might be, you know, like I said earlier, what's your lower back doing, um, for body position technique or, um, uh, are you feeling the ground through your feet? Something like that, you know, something again, that'll just bring me back to that present moment and, and, and redirect my concentration to something within my control. Uh, and that's kind of, like I said, that's, that's, yeah, to answer your question, that's where I end up going more than most. And this is why I kind of, not that I set you up for that question, but I kind of knew where you were going to go with it. And it's, it's a really good answer. And like where people think uh, Damien is just good at this stuff, you know, or are these people who can control themselves are just good. It's a skill that you've acquired mm. through repetition and exposure. Mm. And the more repetition and more exposure you have, the better you can call on that skill in an automatic response when the shit happens mm. because again people live in this fantasy land that they're just not prepared they don't expose yourself to these hardships or whatever it may be uh, trials or tribulations that may come up and they're not prepared and there's no response and then it's chaos mm. so having that ability to ground yourself is is absolutely key um to come back to those affirmations just for a moment and if we could use like some examples of you know, everyone is going to have their own affirmations. Everyone is going to have their own thing. Mm. And it's going to be very personalized to themselves. But what what moments did you find yourself calling on those? Uh, I remember one moment you, you spoke about when you're on the Atlantic and you're kind of just screaming at the highest yeah. of yourself just to, to get yourself, right? Uh, it was like some castaway kind of image or, or whatever I was thinking of yeah. with it. But wh- what did you use? That's the one that sticks out. Like the minute I start, start speaking about affirmations, because it was such a powerful moment for me, like, you know, it was almost like the moment I realized, um, that all my training or the time I put into doing affirmations is like, fuck, this shit actually works, huh? <laughs> you know, um, because it's not till it gets tested, right? Right. Yeah. And that was like that was an incredibly testing moment for me i think it was around day like 53 i think and um i just got a positive weather um uh forecast from my weather router and what i realized that it might have been positive for every other ocean rowing boat but for me at that moment it wasn't i like i couldn't make it actually was a negative thing because the, the speeds of the winds um were too high for my boat because i had lost my steering so i had no way to keep the boat straight within those winds so i just kept getting like what that meant was i just kept getting the boat um uh turned sideways onto the wave and then the wave would be coming over the side and smashing me and basically i was getting pushed sideways along the ocean by but at the same time, it was just getting smashed. And then, um, I had a, a like a, a way to write the boat, but it, it was physically incredibly demanding that I'd have to, um, put one oar in the water and then like use that as a kind of faux rudder and then hold it against the strength of the water. So hold the blade there, like so bite down on my shoulder and then row with the other one. And what that would do is it would bring the boat back kind of in line with the winds and the waves. But I could only stay in that position for, well, it depended, but like often it would only be a minute, two minutes, and then I'd get turned sideways again and have to go through the whole process. And just so fucking demoralizing. Like, so I remember, um, I, I just start, like, I don't know what brought it out. Like there, there was a lot of, 
as I went along, there was a lot of, um, there was words actually most days like coming out, you know, I'd have a conversation. I'd sing a lot, like sing fucking, I didn't even, I wasn't singing anything. I was kind of singing what I was seeing just to say words. Um, so I presume it was an extension of that, that I just started shouting, like basically roaring at like with all the fucking pent up emotion that I had about like everything had gone like skew ways for me. Um, and I, I done, I felt I'd done well to kind of deal with most of it, but there was obviously frustration there with inside me and it all came out at this moment. And I just started roaring like the, some of my affirmations at the, um, at the Atlantic, like at the weather system, at whatever that thing is, like the, it's a being as far as I could, like I, I saw it as a being anyway, like it was challenging me. So I was going to, I was coming back at it that day. And, uh, I don't know things like, I am unbreakable. I am unstoppable. Nothing will stop me rowing the, this ocean. Um, so kind of coming back to that thing I talked about earlier, concise choice of positive words, right? Um, yeah. What else would I have said? Uh, um, uh, yeah, I can't remember now off the top of my head. Um, but definitely it, choice words when you're like you're you're caught in emotion right at this point as well too and it's to control and harness that emotion and and that's kind of something i was going to touch on as well because like you would be seen as as like a hard man right you're 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 if you walked in and said someone described to me what that man looks like and he looks like a rugby player a hard man right and this is something that when you listen to your your podcast and your explorations with it that you're very emotionally aware that you're very emotionally present and you're very emotionally conscious. How much does that play into like your ability to control those emotions, but also be okay with being vulnerable and okay with displaying your emotions as well? Because this is something that your stereotypical hard man doesn't do, right? Mm. Again, it's something I've learned. You know, I, I'm not, uh, you know, innately that way. Far, far from it. Um, but I've, I understand that, um, or have come to understand, I've learned to understand by exploring all these different parts of myself through, like, like I said, through a physical kind of, um, uh, touch point that, um, that is real strength. Like when you're able to kind of look deep within yourself and identify what's real, like what you're really feeling. And then, um, admit it to yourself, you know, and almost break down those barriers like that aren't really serving you, those walls you put up, those layers, those masks that you wear. And uh, that feels fucking good when you do that, you know, and that is, um, I suppose, again, talking about building positive associations with um, experiences, that is one I have built and um i try to explore and uh when i do it you know when i hit on those things and when i feel i'm being like honest with myself you know and i've cut through all the shit all the layers of protection i've built up through conditioning through life life is hard you know, you get knocked down a lot and we build up these, like I said, these, uh, these layers to protect ourselves. And, you know, I've, I've as many, if not more as than the average person. So yeah, by, by exposing myself to extremes and exposing, uh, the real me, 
um, through that. I've kind of learned to do it um, over years. And uh, yeah, like I said, it feels good. So um, it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful place to live out of when uh, um, when you can find the strength to admit those or to to be honest with yourself about those vulnerabilities and then to kind of to share them you know um and uh yeah hitting on it time and again it's just it's built the strength in that kind of it's layered that association strengthening it and 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 now again it's just another great part of of kind of what i go after and what i search for and what i explore and and it comes up sometimes Hmm. And when with that process of actually sharing it and, and actually verbalizing it out loud, like you do through your podcast, through writing, through etc., do you form or do you find that that's a, a form of, of meditative uh, or kind of journaling for you that you're actually able to put it out there and actually just air your thoughts and, and use that medium to your own benefit as opposed to just sharing your story with others? Yeah, exactly. It's like a... Um well, particularly with the Atlantic, um, I ended up, so the intention was to share my story, right? So I bought this bit of kit called the Began, which is a broadband satellite uplink. So that was going to let me send these little videos home. Um, and then, uh, day one was a fucking disaster for me. I like properly shook to my core, like everything about me was challenged. And the, um, the video kind of reflected that, that I made, like I couldn't hide it was so, um, it was, I was so, uh, shook, let's just say, cause that's what I, that's what I was, um, that I couldn't in any way hide it. You know, I was like completely exposed, uh, and the video kind of took that away. And then as the journey went, uh, I, I kind of started to, so only the, I descend home a video every three or four days, but then around that, I started to kind of just do it as a personal diary. And the further I got into it and the more uncomfortable and difficult it became, um, the kind of more important that diary became for me to just kind of vent at the end of the day. So I do it at the end of every kind of 24 hours, make this diary. And some of them, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of them, you know, I'm proud of the, um, being able to, uh, go into that space and kind of admit like or expose what um I was going through of course I was helped right I was helped by the extremity of the um experience and the discomfort of it and the pain of it um like if there's one thing that's real in life it's pain and it'll it'll bring out some real stuff as well so I was definitely helped by that but yeah that that really became important as I went you know it was it was just to get the shit out of me like and not let it kind of build up and pent up because it was just gonna cause some sort of issue sooner or later with what I was trying to do and, and that was kind of the driver and then um similarly enough with the uh with Everest like the the podcast the the voice notes I remember making that like that were deeply kind of um, personal were all around moments that were really fucking difficult, like in just challenging moments. Uh, and, and they, uh, they're obviously aids, aids to getting into that place of vulnerability, you know? And, um, and I suppose I've, I'm kind of practiced now at, 
you know firstly internally admitting that stuff and um and secondly um publicly um uh, exposing it mm. you know because it's like if you were just to talk to me about those situations it's very hard to display the emotion or kind mm. of what you really felt at the time now you've mm. got that um as a logbook of the whole thing it's absolutely fantastic and fascinating is it something you revisit like do you go back and listen to some of those and and kind of reassess where you're at now compared or have you ever done that um not like not purposely um not 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 to do anything you know like sometimes i i will go back and like when i was doing the first series of deep roots so that was retrospectively right on the atlantic row so there was quite a bit of listening and re-listening to those clips and some of them i'd actually forgotten about like you know because there's there's certain days that like just stick out like sore thumbs for me like 1 14 17 43 53 uh you know they're they're very like the videos and the what i was going through were um particularly difficult so like the the difficult parts are the highlights right but um yeah like apart from that i don't really see myself or don't um i listen to it a little bit like w when i was on everest the podcast um the day it came out i would listen to it but uh i tried to kind of i just i suppose i tried to stay present as much as i could so when it was made that was it you know like be as honest and authentic as you can be as you can so much the courage to be and then move on you know and kind of forget about it and don't dwell on it too much but yeah i remember i think it was day 32 or something i i did think a lot about that day going you know i think i got a lot from it so i think other people will get a lot from it you know um and uh but apart from that i don't really go consciously back there was you know we'll, we'll we'll kind of wrap it up now shortly on this because there's, there's so many different avenues we could get down with all this but there was one day in particular on everest it was day 12 13 I actually went back just to listen to it this morning again and one of your sherpas tenji said to you you need to be mentally stronger yeah or mentally tougher oh yeah and when i heard that i was like oh shit <laughs> i was like how's how's this gonna go down right because yeah does he know who this guy does he know who this guy is um, <laughs> <It annoyed me. laughs> how did you respond to that because this is something like you know everything with all the rest of the drama that's going on yeah that's something that's really going to need like you know this could be you go in home and you're you're You've you've been training your ass off, and your mum says you look fat or something like this, right? This one uh, of those ones that really stings. Yeah. How did you respond to that? Oh, uh, yeah, it it did annoy me a little bit, um, and I that well that annoyance flagged something as well. Going like, well, what's what's that about? You know, have you wrapped something up? Have you wrapped a bit of your identity up in that? Possibly, you know, the truth is probably. Um, so that was a little bit of why I was annoyed. But then I also, I thought, well, what does he mean by that? Like, you know, um, where is he coming from? You know, so there's, there's an, uh, the kind of answer I came to is it's, it's hard to know, you know, because like his English is pretty good, but not great, you know. So it's, it's, it'd probably be a bit different him saying that to me than you saying that to me, you know, because I'm not too sure where he was coming from with that. So that was one thing. And, um, uh, but I was more kind of caught up in my own, uh, 
annoyance around it. And he said it to me a couple of times. And I was like, what the fuck is this about? Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of had to, um, what would you say? You know, brush it off. Yeah, just let it go. Like, I mean, he didn't, there was, there was no clear um, uh, kind of, I didn't, I didn't, couldn't figure out exactly what he was saying to me or what he meant. Um, so I thought it could be a few different things, you know, and I think pretty sure he was talking around the, um, he was coming from, I'd been struggling with altitude sickness and I think that's where he was coming from or that's where I, that's what I reckoned anyway, when I kind of questioned it a little bit more, you know, and, and he's probably, you know, in terms of like, broadly speaking, there, there is an element of like, just hang in there, you know, altitude sickness will go, you will adapt, you will acclimate. And I kind of put it into that window and that's what he was kind of getting at. Um, and I was kind of going, yeah, fair enough. Like if he means like, if he means hang in there, you know, um, because physically it will like, it'll go. So just, you know, deal with it mentally. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where I placed it and, and moved on. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting because again, there's no defined thing from that. It's, it's down to what you give it as being either a neutral or negative or positive and how you mm. actually respond to that from that point. Um, what's next is the next piece, uh, just to, to kind of give an insight into to what's coming up for Damien and the challenges. So um, I'd love to get back to Everest. Uh, definitely have unfinished business there. It'd probably be a couple of years. Um, it was quite stressful for me. <laughs> it was quite stressful for my family. You know, uh, one of the one of the kind of, I suppose, one of my reluctances around sharing too much is like that, you know, you share um, your fears and that, that just act that like, and you're in control. It's the people at home who care about you. They're not in control and they're already fearful. And then you're fucking exasperating that, you know? So that's, that's always something I, I, I uh, wrestle with, but I think there's a, a, a bigger duty to be able to share that stuff to, you know, to everyone. So I kind of, but like, so I don't really want to go back. Well, for, for that reason too early, um, I want to give it time and it'll take time anyway, you know, to try and um, get the funding together. It's, you know, it's really expensive. So, you know, so that like, hopefully that's something I can do um, and, uh, and give it a go in the next, whatever three four years something like that but but um next summer so uh may 2022 myself and a good friend of mine uh fergus farrell are rowing again an ocean row uh this time across the north atlantic from new york to galway um in a project we've named project empower so uh gussie who's the guy my, my good mate who's in the boat with me had a um an accident, a uh, workplace accident a couple of years ago and was basically paralyzed for six weeks and then uh, uh, got, uh, was given a 5% chance to ever walk again and got a um, twinkle or not twinkle, um, twinge in his toe and has never looked back since then. You know, he's, he's, um, he's gone on to get full mobility back, ended up walking across the country for um, the National Rehab Hospital who helped him so much in Dunleary. And, uh, yeah, I joined them for a couple of days of that. And when I saw kind of that, like determination, um, 
And then he asked me, because he knew I was planning something like this, he asked me if he, uh, he said he'd be interested in joining it. And at the time it was me and my brother were doing it. Um, but then my brother pulled out. So I asked Gussie. So yeah, we've been, uh, working on that in the background of Everest and, you know, life, uh, for the last couple of years and it's coming together now. So that'll be pretty amazing to, well, hopefully, you know, row into our hometown. The North Atlantic is a different beast to the part of the Atlantic. I took on before. It's much more extreme, much colder, um, different weather systems, chances of hurricanes. There are things called these giant whirlpools called eddies, which you can get caught in for like basically a week, two weeks going around in circles until you get spat out of it, you know. So um, there's a lot of shipping traffic up there. There's a place called the Grand Banks. You go past the um, the area where the perfect storm was, um, just off Massachusetts. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. Um, the more I research it, the more I think it may well be the hardest, the hardest thing to, hardest challenge on the planet. It's just, it's fucking, it's crazy. So, um, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so incredibly exciting about, incredibly excited about that. And, uh, yeah, training has kind of started now for that. Um, yeah. When you go to, right, physical preparation is, is one thing for that. You're completely in control of your own physical preparation. With the mental side of it, you've got to condition yourself to deal with yourself. But now you've got to condition yourself to deal with an oarsman sitting in with you, right? And to be able to handle your own shit and to be able to handle his shit too, right? What's going to be different with that? Because, you know, we can paddle your own canoe. It's kind of a cheesy saying that comes with it, but like now you're paddling someone else's canoe as well, right? So it's a, a going to be a different factor. Another reason why I didn't want to do it alone, like so to challenge myself on different levels. Um, so the, the, the row itself is going to challenge me again, I, you know, probably more than I've ever been challenged, but so is that relationship. Like I, I, I like, there's a few ways you can row an ocean, solo pairs, trees, fours. I think pairs and, and, and larger boats as well. But I, I think a pair is the most difficult because it's just that one relationship, right? And that relationship is going to take so much stress and so much strain. And you're going to take so much stress and so much strain. And guess where it's going to be projected on the one person who's there within your touch and distance. They're getting all your frustration. So, so like that's a massive challenge for me, like being the kind of leader of it, right? And being the most experienced person and being, um, so that's why I wanted somebody else in the boat with me. I want to, I want to challenge that side of myself. I think it's a very important side to um uh, for life you know to be compassionate and empathetic and loving um and uh like i don't know if i'll be any of those things out there but i'm sure as hell gonna be prepared like gonna prepare myself to try and be anyway and to try and catch myself whenever i'm not um because uh like it's not really going to get us <laughs> you know, I, I want to get off the boat still talking to Gussie for the rest of our lives. I wanted to like, I want the experience to be, um, memorable in every way. Um, and I don't want anything negative to come from it. I don't want it to ruin a relationship, um, that I've had for, you know, 20 plus years. So it's really important that I lead there. And, uh, and that's uh, going to be a big challenge considering the, the challenge itself. Uh, it could be a solo 
another solo role and a solo swim combined with the whole thing, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> depending on who fucks the other guy out of Bob first. Yeah. Um, Damien, it's amazing on this and like, you know, there's, there's I'd, I'd love to keep picking your brain for hours on all this because there's so much value to be had. But I, I think so many others can get valued from tuning into your podcast and actually going back and listening to uh, the stories and the, the true emotion and the rawness um, from that part. But um, do you want to tell the listeners how they can access that, where they can can reach you and, and where they can pick that up from? Yeah, the podcast is called Deep Roots. Um, it comes from, uh, if, you, if, you, if you allow me, it comes from a, a passage in Tolkien's, I think it's Lord of the Rings, it's Tolkien anyway, and it says... Um, uh, the old that are strong do not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. And it's a big, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a philosophy of mine, like that you continue to try and deepen yourself through, you know, true exposure to, like we talked about, true stressing, true, um, challenging yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, blah, blah, blah. So I, I love that. So the present a podcast called Deep Roots and you can find it on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all that. And then, um, uh, social media, I'm most active on Instagram and my handle is at oldstock, A-U-L-D underscore stock. And then web, my website is that damienbrown.com. And you've also got your uh, Patreon as well too, right? Where people can support uh, your journey from that Yeah, point. yeah. Like, so it's a platform I've um, started about a year ago and it's probably a bit love-hate, but I'm still, I'm still there and, um, I'm trying to produce kind of, you know, um, content around what I'm, um, passionate about, what I believe in. So a lot of it is my kind of, um, around, again, self-realization, I suppose is a good way to put it. Be that, and uh, yeah, so I, I put up a bit of stuff there and, uh, podcast comes through there. And, uh, yeah, it's a platform I'm really going to try and, um, double down on now over the next year because uh i'm back in love with it basically <laughs> yeah you gotta use it. um i'm gonna put all those into the show notes i'm gonna add all those links where people can access you and find you and, and you know listen to the the true stories and just like from uh, a fanboy on this side just want to thank you from everyone else who listens to the podcast as well too because you know it's it's a fantastic resource because it's it's something to kind of a it's a real popcorn podcast. You have to sit back and wait for the next episode each time. And it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's truly great. Listen, um, Thanks a lot. but for coming on to the chat today, Damien, I really appreciate your time coming in too. And, and being in separate time zones, it's tricky to navigate these two, but really appreciate your time coming on for the chat. And there's been so much value. Fair play, Larry. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. A massive thank you to Damien for coming on today and sharing his wisdom, some insights, his stories, his experiences and some absolutely valuable and instantly usable material. If you found value from this, if you found something to be of incredible use, make sure to like and share on this episode as well too, making sure that you share it with some friends. And if you are reposting it on your social media channels, make sure to tag both myself and Damien so we can thank you personally. Until the next episode, chat soon.